0: You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Eric here, continuing our series featuring NLC alums who work in law. Jesse Midlong is here from NLC San Francisco class 2014. We'll catch up with him and what he's working on. Thanks so much for tuning in. Let's get to it. All right, Jesse, when you describe what you do, do you say you're a lawyer? Do you say you're a specific kind of lawyer? How do you usually describe what kind of work you do?
1: Uh, thanks, Eric. I usually tell people I am um, a sustainability lawyer and climate diplomat, if I yeah. want to sound really fancy. But <laughs> if I keep it short, it's just lawyer.
0: And being where you are uh, on the West Coast, and and you know we're recording this on another day of extensive heat and heat waves and all these things, uh, climate and sustainability is, is top of mind. What kind of work do you do as it relates to where the future of our Earth is going?
1: Um, well, I, I do a lot of work that doesn't have to do with that, but, the, but I am increasingly doing a, a, as much as I can um, to focus on how to help businesses uh, meet the, the, the world's climate goals, in particular, the goals under the Paris Agreement. But um, one, one of my roles is as a climate diplomat for the country Georgia and the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, where we've been representing them since uh, the 2012 Doha round. And um, and in the meantime, I also represent, sometimes I represent NGOs who are working on um, innovative projects to, uh, to create tradable carbon credits or help um, companies that trade on California's cap and trade market. It's really all over the place.
0: And in terms of what you're hearing and seeing from businesses, how willing are they to make environmental changes? Is it driven by... Profit, bottom line, is it driven by a, a moral sense of doing right? What kind of patterns do you see?
1: I think right now, anyway, it's still largely driven by something that we can approximate as the, the bottom line. I think that there are um, there are increasing pressures from stakeholders beyond shareholders to do things that are right or moral in terms of, of the environment. but um, But there really just isn't much of a legal framework in the U.S., for going beyond um, what sometimes is referred to as shareholder uh, profit maximization or or shareholder benefit. Um, So it's still, I think, largely a business imperative, but businesses are are really driving the point when it comes to climate as well, because you can't have a business on a dead planet. You can't have a business where all of your your would-be clients are climate refugees, and increasingly businesses are um, are unable to escape the externalities of their environmental impacts. So if you're like a, a, an investment firm like BlackRock and you've got a, a, a diversified portfolio, um, the externalities that one of your portfolio companies creates um, by polluting in the environment or by, by not taking climate uh, mitigation seriously can affect the, 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 the uh, value of your other holdings. And so it is still right now about profit, but I think um, you know you're seeing in, in the European Union and other places um, how it's increasingly becoming a legal framework, and I think the U.S. Um, I, in, a, in a couple of years will will be right alongside them.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask because you do have that international perspective. Where would you want to see domestically policy go? Where would you want to see domestically uh, things change? On the political front, compared to what you're seeing overseas,
1: well, I think there, there have to be a few a, a few key pieces. Um, one is we it would be useful if federal regulatory authorities were doing more to formalize uh, the the reporting that, that companies do around what we call ESG environmental, social, and governance issues, um, and climate makes up a huge amount of the the E of ESG. And it, what we're seeing in other countries is an increasing focus on getting companies to disclose and then ensuring that the quality of those disclosures are good enough that investors can um, can know what kind of environmental risks they're taking on board when they invest in the company. So, one would be to formalize those kinds of of structures legally in the U.S. And um, you know the, the the big player there would be the, the Securities and Exchange Commission. They have been reluctant to, to be seen as activists in this area, and they have, have continually punted the issue. Um, the, the second issue is about the evolution of our understanding of, of the concept of fiduciary duties. And so um, you know, there's this, the traditional view that um, the purpose of a, of a business is to, to or the, that the purpose of business is just to make money for its owners is rooted in some ways in the idea that the, the management of the company owes a fiduciary duty, a duty of the highest good faith to the owners. Um, and in some other jurisdictions, what we're seeing is an evolution of that concept so that you could say, well, I do, of course, owe um, a duty to the shareholders or to the owners um, to to try to ensure that they're, they're benefiting from how the company is running to make sure, you know, they are definitely an, an important stakeholder as the providers of capital, but they're not the only stakeholders that matter. And in fact, if you're really looking out for those shareholders, best interests, you can't ignore the impact of their investment on the world they live in. And, and for all of the reasons I I described earlier as well. And so on the one hand, we need something affirmative. We need, we need government to say, this is what companies have to do to ensure that they're playing by rules that won't, that won't kill us all eventually. Um, And then on the other hand, we need a a bit of a step back. Um, The Trump administration right now um, under the Department of Labor's um, recently introduced rule from the Department of Labor uh, has made it a little bit riskier potentially for asset managers to to consider ESG factors when investing. Um, And this was done by kind of bolstering the, the traditional fiduciary duty model. Um, and we, it would be better if we could see government step back from that and see how courts and investors and some of the other big actors in capital markets um, work out the details of, of an evolving fiduciary duty.
0: When we go back with Jesse, we'll talk a little bit more about the work that he's doing and where he sees the work going. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of The Zag. Be right back. where did the phrase climate diplomacy come from?
1: Um, so a great deal of international climate policy is conducted by diplomats, uh, people working for foreign ministries or the State Department. And so um, in my role with uh, the country Georgia, uh, our firm, DLA Piper, represents the country as if we were part of their ministry there on the ground. And so I actually engage in international negotiations, uh, this kind of multilateral uh, diplomacy for Georgia, every year at the Conference of the Parties under the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change.
0: Interesting. So, yeah, I guess that, that the phrase was 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 new to me. Um, yeah, and do you see, do you see that work expanding beyond the kind of di- diplomats and diplomacy in the in the traditional sense? I guess someone was asking, like, do we do you foresee like a a, a peace corps just for for sort of climate work or? you know, some sort of City Year or AmeriCorps program that's focused just on environmental justice or I guess even if we're talking like the Green New Deal, there's probably some facet that could be uh, considered, uh, you know, kind of public service jobs that would go with that. What what kind of future of work do you potentially see with climate?
1: Well, I think that there are are tons of great organizations that are doing important work and trying to promote awareness and also trying to come up with alternatives to our current... uh, suicidal business models that as, as, as they relate to climate. Um, but climate diplomacy itself is probably going to stay climate diplomacy. We've had the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change for, um, over 20 years, and it's still alive and kicking. It's the process that gave us the the Kyoto Protocol and the Paris Agreement. And although the, the hope behind the Paris Agreement is that we're not going to keep having these continual iterations of, of, um, of treaties that, that are more or less effective, the, the hope is now that we'll we'll just be implementing the Paris Agreement and that'll be the iterative cycle. And so I expect that to continue um, at the very least until 2028 and and, and, and beyond that, unless we've, we come to the table in 2028 and see that um, we're just congratulating ourselves for all having solved climate change.
0: Hey, last thing. In terms of political races you might be watching locally or in the state or even nationally as it relates to the issue of of climate or maybe even just the work that you do are there any things that we should be paying attention to as well certain races or certain propositions
1: um i think that there are there are too many to mention frankly when it comes to the local level there are there are important environmental policies being implemented at almost every level of politics and so when in california we should always be paying attention to things like the, the California Coastal Commission, but um, I and I, at the risk of, of seeming obvious, I just can't emphasize enough how important the presidential campaign right now is to the future of um, of climate change and to the, the the vital participation of the U.S. in that process. It is on November three we vote, and on November four the U.S. officially is withdrawn from the Paris Agreement, and so this election is a referendum on the decision to remove the United States, the world's largest per capita emitter, from the only universally binding uh, climate agreement that we've ever been able to reach outside of the Framework Convention itself.
0: Well said. listen, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks so much for the work that you're doing and thanks everyone for listening to this episode of The Zach. Make sure to... Go to all the places you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. Check out all the episodes we've been dropping the last week or so featuring alums working in law and criminal justice and all sorts of ways they're bringing their progressive values to life. Make sure to catch those short and sweet episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. Until next time, we'll catch you soon.